0: Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show.
1: Our guest this week was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in 2019. He's one of the longest running major market national radio talk personalities in the broadcasting profession, having served since 1980 as a performer at such outstanding stations as WXYZ Detroit, WWDB Philadelphia, WWRC Washington, D.C., and WOL, also in the nation's capital. He's been nationally syndicated by Radio One, and now for well over a decade, he's hosted the morning show on Sirius XM satellite radios, Urban View Channel. He's the leading civil rights activist in America, operating primarily from the platform of talk radio. He's conducted high profile hunger strikes on a couple of occasions to bring attention to causes he supports, and he's been subject to arrest at demonstrations in which he participated. In addition, He's a prolific public speaker and an inspiration to people of all ages and creeds seeking racial equality and justice in America. Our guest has received numerous honors over the years, including the talker's prestigious freedom of speech award in 2008. He's currently the highest ranked African American personality on the talker's heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. Now with David Canton, He's written a long-awaited book about his life and career titled Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy and action on the air and in the streets. Our guest this week is Joe Madison. Joe Madison, congratulations. You have a new book. That has got to be like giving birth to a child. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't know about it. i've never had to give birth i'll have to ask my wife <laughs> i mean I, I, you know but i've been, I've,
1: like, been media, just, I've been doing media i've like been doing media for 50 birth. years I, Joe. I, wait
0: a minute michael how but, do you how do you ask a man what well, what giving birth is?
1: <laughs> i didn't I'm realize sorry, I I, I'm, mean to me, I'm amazed i've tickled your funny I'll bone ask
0: like Sherry. <laughs> all right oh um, I, I love that <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, it's like having a child. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, man. I appreciate
1: it. Well, isn't isn't writing a book tough? I mean, people think you just write a book. You know, if if you're a big time celebrity, they give you a lot of money, and then they get a ghostwriter for you, and they look at your bio and they make up everything. <laughs> but I imagine you actually wrote this book.
0: Uh, I, well, let me let me tell you, my um, <clears throat> the person who I worked with was Dr. Dave Canton who is um, director of African-American studies program at the University of uh, Florida. And he is the author of several books. And the way this started, he was a uh, a listener to the show for years. Wow. And, and really, he, he loves talk radio. And um, uh, he had invited me uh, to lecture at one of his classes, And afterwards, we sat down. He said, you know, I'd like to work with you on writing your memoir. Um, And, you know, I thought about it. And then, uh, you know, he kept asking. And I said, well, you know, I I don't know if I want to do this or not. And, And it wasn't any ego thing. It was a question of I didn't think I had a story. And he was the one that convinced me by saying, we all have a story. And you, in particular, have a, a career uh, in, in talk radio. And that's when I decided that it would not be a uh, biography or an autobiography. It would be uh, memoirs of my uh, early life. Of course, you've you, you got to tell people where you started, Michael. Mm-hmm. And also uh, my broadcasting career and then my advocacy uh, as an as a activist in the civil rights movement. And so we ended up, Dr. Kenton and I, for several years, uh, we we would sit down. He would sit down with a recorder. And 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 he would interview me. And he we, we, he he in essence taped the conversations, so we would have a conversation, and then he the difficulty was having to remember things that I had forgotten, um, some things that I wanted to forget. <laughs> should, yeah. should they go into the book? How far back do we go? Um, and it took over. Oh God, I I, I got to tell you, he says if you if you talk to him, Michael, he'll tell you it you know it was off and on for eleven years. Wow, wow, eleven years.
1: And during that eleven and, years, and a lot and of things happened. Now, happen.
0: one of the reasons we had we one of the reasons we had to, to, to it took so long, uh, we had to stop uh, for for a, a moment uh, because. Uh, Professor uh, Henry Louis Gates, who had some very kind words to say about the book, had done my uh, root. I had, had done my family tree for his episode on finding uh, your roots. And one of the things he found out was uh, that my uh, m- the man I thought was my father over my entire life. Up until two years ago was not my biological father, hmm. and I had two brothers that I didn't know about. one of them I went to uh, elementary and high school with, and we would have had to <laughs> we would have had to go back and and redo uh, a good portion of the book
1: Wow what, a, what an emotional upheaval that must have been.
0: He, he um
1: you know
0: to, I'm always to, to I'm very out. honest with you. Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm always very honest. Um it 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 was not. Okay. I'll be honest with you. One reason uh was everybody had passed away. Okay. Um so there was nobody to uh to uh ask anything about. They had all passed away. Um the way the way it happened, the younger brother, uh, the younger brother uh, Kip, who is, lives in California, he wanted to find out if he was the only child, and he he, he went into the whole DNA uh, find not finding your roots, but the whole DNA uh, 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 blood test, saliva test, and. What happened? It got into the system, and the uh, the specialist that Professor Gates and 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 Finding Your Roots uh, crew was using, uh, Cece Moore was her name. Uh, You know, she 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 uh, found his insert, his uh, blood test, uh, and Michael. Uh, she then said, wait a minute, something's not happening here. It's not matching. So the man that was my, I thought was my father's name and his photographs in the book is was Felix Madison. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she said, it doesn't match. You do not match with Felix Madison. There's no match. And then she said, but we found a match with this young man out in California he's your half brother and that's how it that's how it got started and then of course uh the folks at PBS and Henry Louis Gates's uh, crew brought us all together for the first time to uh tape uh the episode and uh it it so it really didn't it didn't really shake me up. I, I always tell, in the book, I I tell this uh, funny story. Uh, Henry Gates said, man, we've been working on your roots, your family tree, for five years. And finally, we're ready to go. But I got to tell you, I got good news and bad news. All right, what do you want first? I said, well, give me uh, the uh, uh, the bad news. He said, Felix Madison is not your father. And I paused. I said, really? And then he began to tell me about uh, my biological father, who he was, where he lived, the two brothers. Um, One of them I went to high school with, elementary school with. We ran with the same group of friends.
1: Because you are in the same neighborhood. Um,
0: Thank you. Well, everybody, lived, you're right, because you know most black folks lived on one side of town in Dayton, Ohio. And well, we I'm, talk I'm about asking that. that only
1: because for the but coincidence that right. you would wind up with a, a, a half brother or or a brother that you didn't know and you thought it was a school buddy. Um, obviously, the geography plays a role in that, I would think.
0: I, 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 you know, I who knows? Who knows? I didn't know the father. It's, it's it, obviously it must. Obviously, we all lived on the same side of town. So mm-hmm. it, apparently. Um, and, and he knew me, I mean, you know, he knew me from high school cause I played football and, 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 uh, and so he said, well, we knew of you. We, I mean, I knew you and I knew of you, uh, but yeah, you're right. So we just didn't, you know, I mean, we, I don't know how the, I don't know how much the geography played, but we all were in the same, basically the same side of town and running the same streets, going to the same parties. But I said to Henry Louis Gates, and the funny story was, Michael, I said to Henry Louis Gates, um, well, I'll be darned. I said, you know, if Dr. Gates, if you had called me and told me uh, this a uh, half an hour ago, I had a, 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 an individual who I thought was my cousin, my, my uh, Felix Madison's nephew. And he asked me, for a fifteen hundred dollar loan. Oh my! <laughs> and if you, <laughs> he needed it for some project. Oh my! <laughs> and I said, Doctor Gates, if you had called me just a half an hour ago, I could have told him, man, I ain't no relationship to you <laughs> you <Funny. laughs> dollars. <laughs> and I was being facetious, but but I always tell <laughs> I always tell that. Uh, I always tell that story, um, and um, it 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 was it was it was really. It, it, I always wanted brothers, it, mm. and and you know so so it was it it. I don't want to say it was bittersweet, but the sad part was there there was nobody around to ask how did all this happen, who was he um oh. you know and, and the only person I could really talk to was the two half brothers who knew yeah. him
1: anything come of light uh, from him. that nope no
0: no i mean other than uh other than the the younger brother kip uh he worked with the the biological father, mm. and the way he found out uh the story he told was that uh He worked with him. My my biological father owned, uh, like, apartment buildings out in L.A. And he worked with him. And Kip says, you know, that the way he found out was he went home to his mother and he said, you know, uh, he, he treats me like I'm his son. You know, he's really nice. And his mother said, you are his son. Oh, my and
1: that's a, that's she waited for that, that moment to tell him. <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, you're lucky that yeah, the that, yeah. that, that so, you didn't find out that the, the girlfriends you had back in high school weren't your sisters. I mean, you know, that could have been tricky.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's you know that that's I mean, it, you know, but there were there in essence there were three there were three boys.
1: So do you have a relationship with them now now that time has gone by, Joe? Do you have a relationship with them? In, in
0: words, oh he... man! It was like we had we had, we had always had known each other. First mm-hmm. of all, the younger brother was was so thrilled because he thought he was the only child, and he was just thrilled. And he's a nice young man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the oh the middle guy, the middle uh, son, um, the middle brother. Um, I mean, it was like when we were when we got together. The, the the funny thing was the producer and, and director of the episode got upset with us because instead of talking about our biological father, we started talking about running the streets of Dayton together. <laughs> we, started, we started saying, oh, I knew so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Oh, yeah, I remember that skating party. And, and we started... <laughs> you know, talking about all the fun we had and they stopped the the uh, recording and said, Look, excuse me, uh we're here to talk about your father. <laughs> and, wow. and, uh, wow. uh, and and uh and, uh and that was and, and so now it's like we've known each other all our lives. And I and I write about that that uh that experience. It's so well, a great it experience. Great human interest story. It, yeah. It, it 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 yeah, it's it really it was it was it was it had a positive uh we were all positive about it
1: you know it's interesting joe when you talk about genealogy and people are learning now through modern technology you know so many things about their backgrounds their their roots as as you did um one of the things that comes up, and and I mentioned this because civil rights and race relations is such an important part of, of your career and your work, that um, it's, it's fascinating how you often hear that white people find out that they have black relatives and black ancestors and black people find out that they have white relatives and white ancestors. And sometimes it's in situations that uh, can be um, you know surprising politically and otherwise. What are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, this is uh, one of the things that I always appreciate. One about the episode finding your roots, but it it has been it has been my north star as it relates to my activities and my activism, um, and and that is uh, you know. We're all mixed up, and you know there's there's very few people on the planet that are pure anything, uh, pure uh, European, pure African, um, and and uh, and and the reality is that the that that's been the benefit of DNA, so the the science doesn't doesn't lie, uh we, you know the that, that's and and so when you understand that scientifically then you realize that this thing we call race is a construct this thing we call race really uh is is, is political mm-hmm. it's it's cultural it's social it's a construct
1: right and, and anthropologically and that, um, it's temporary folk, and, I,
0: that and folks have been Well, folks have been sleeping with each other for (laughs) centuries. (laughs) I mean, this is and and so it's it you know it's something and that is what has motivated me as an activist that we've got more in common than we have differences.
1: Have you gone through a transition over the decades in terms of your view of white people and or the relationship between black and white?
0: no no Be- and i'll tell you and that's why i wanted to write the book no uh, th- that was one of the most difficult things in dealing with the editor and the uh uh and and the and, and dr canton um my my look i in the book i i talk about um, the 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 discrimination I faced. Uh, I talk about like one effort, you know, as, as a child, and not even realizing that I was being discriminated. Like a membership to the downtown YMCA, where if you were black, you couldn't you couldn't join the downtown YMCA because they had a a, a black YMCA on Fifth Street on the west side of Dayton, and how a group of of, uh, of black leaders. Uh, I, I identified a couple of my friends, a, a, a few of us young guys. There's probably I, I can. There's about maybe three or four of us, and that I looked up one day, and I have a membership in the downtown YMCA. Well, I couldn't afford it, so how did this happen? Because these <clears throat> these um, uh, and, and black leaders said, you know what, we're going to integrate this YMCA and we're going to select uh a, a two or three young men uh and 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 we're going to give them we're going to pay for their membership and that's how that that's how that YMCA got integrated i didn't know it all i knew was they had a a, a beautiful huge swimming pool um uh and, and 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 i realized that you know i was being i was uh there to uh, as part of an effort to to uh, to uh, integrate, I talk about in the book uh, how a, um, a one of a, a, a businessman in our community. He was uh, the mortician, Mr. Bowman. That's how we knew him, Clarence Bowman. And he moved into an all-white neighborhood, and uh, the adults. Now I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an adolescent, and they were they were they got angry at him. Why? Not because he moved into an all-white neighborhood, but he made a, a public statement where he said, I don't want another black person moving on the same block. Really? And the folks and, and black folks said, what? Now, now why? And I'll tell you why. And I talk about it. I write about it or it's written about. Mm-hmm. And that is because in those days they were doing blockbusting. Now, what was blockbusting? A black person or black family would move into a neighborhood and then the real estate agents would would call around to the white uh, families and say, well, you know, a black family has moved on your block. You may want to sell because the value of your homes are going to go down. So he said, don't move on my block. Go the next block over. And and, and, and it took me a while to understand What he was trying to do, and that was to prevent blockbusting. Um, To answer your question, I I write about how black people and white people have interacted in my life, who have who have uh, been responsible for uh, my success. Um. I, I talk about um, you know uh, being uh, being captain of a football team, my freshman year in college, undefeated team of in those days, freshmen had their own schedule and and a coach, because I was active in in, in the black student movement in the uh you know late sixties you know sixty seven sixty eight the coach tell told me before the summer camp opened up. Don't come! Don't come to the to practice. Don't come. You, you're off the team. We don't want your kind on the team. And how my white high school coach came uh helped me end up with uh, uh, at Washington University, where where uh, the coach there, matter of fact, an all white coaching staff said, "My man, we want you." We want you here. And I ended up being captain of that team. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so, you know, you, 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 and I'll say this, and I, and this is not, I'm not being disrespectful. You look at me or you know me through the prism of your experience, not really knowing why, uh, you know, the, what what my life has been has has been like.
1: That's why I'm asking um, you these questions. I, yeah, am
0: I am I a race man? Am I a race man? Am I? In other words, let me let me make this very clear. I've lived my life, and I've made it very clear. I will not be undervalued, underestimated, or marginalized. You know, I go to I, I you know I I ended up going to WWDB. Let's talk about that chapter, where I'm, I'm, I'm the only black person on, 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 on the air at this iconic uh, station. Um, my shift was midnight to 5.30 in the morning. This is Philadelphia. This was right after the MOVE incident. So I'm, I moved my entire family from Detroit, where I had my political base, where I started my broadcasting career uh well known and so I moved to Philadelphia my f- first full time job after spending 10 years doing weekends in talk radio at WXYZ that became WXYT by the way the only black person at the station but I'm I'm doing it I'm learning and I'm and 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 then I'm called into the president's the owner of the station WWDB and the program director who tells me we're getting complaints from our listeners that you're talking too much about black people and so you know you ought to cool it and 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 I'm what I said what are you talking about and um and basically and, and that, so I I decided you know I'm not going to sit up here and have somebody tell me that I wait a minute, Philadelphia, and you—you're telling me you're getting letters. This is before social media, and you don't want me to talk about black people, or oh, I'm talking about them too much. And 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 then of course the other talk personalities, Irv er, er, Homer, you name them, you know them. I they're all iconic uh, broadcasters, superb broadcasters. They could talk about black people all they wanted to. So I just decided, you know what, Michael, to hell with it. So I decided I'm going to show the the uh, dichotomy, the difference uh, that, you know, we're all not alike. So I, I decided I'm going to interview. Ron Brown, who was running to be the first black chairman of the Democratic National Committee. And I knew him very well. We had, we had relationships that go back when he ran the Urban League. And I decided then I was also going to interview, now get this, Louis Farrakhan. Now there couldn't be two more dis- <laughs> uh, individuals that were <clears throat> the opposites of each other. And, um, the next day I'm called in to the office and fired. I'm fired. Now, my family has moved. My, You know, they've been uprooted. They, We lived in Detroit for years. Children were in school, very young at the time. I'm fine. And here's the excuse they gave. Well, you're going, we understand, on weekends, you're going back to Detroit and doing your weekend show. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, that's a conflict of interest. Well, wait a minute. You can't, the, the signals don't even cross. You can't, I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, well, we, well, okay. They realized that that was a bogus argument. And then you, here was their argument. We want you to stay in Philadelphia on weekends.
1: So they actually fired you. They fired me. They fired you. Yeah. And that was it. They fired me. Okay. And, for,
0: and, and, and hold on. So for a year, I was without an income.
1: Now, it's interesting you answered my question, which was a key question with that with that particular story, but I have to circle back because people are listening to this and I have to be accountable to them. Has your view of the relationship between white people and black people changed over the years?
0: Well, the relationship
1: between white people and black people have changed. Well, that's what I'm interested in your observation. What have you seen? It, well, what uh, What do you well, think? Well, I
0: don't. I I mean, I don't even. I mean, I I don't even understand that question. I mean, it, it, why are you asking me if my relationship has changed? Has your I didn't relationship ask you if your relationship changed? has changed. I said has, your observation. And, and if your observa- has changed, Joe,
1: Joe, I, if, all I'm asking you is, do you think since you have been active in as an activist in civil rights and and race has been a part of? You're on a on a channel called the Urban View which is a, a word urban that I guess at this point is a code word for, for, for African-American. Um, I'm just asking you, do you think that race relations in America is, are improving, getting worse, staying the same? That's basically what I'm asking because you're a perfect person to ask that question because that's something that you have focused on and something that you're quite expert at.
0: I, I got to tell you, I, I let me let me let me I'd be very honest with you and I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Of course, things have changed. Of course, they have changed. And and in some cases, they've gotten worse.
1: Why um, Why do you take offense or are you surprised that I would ask a question like that? Be,
0: my, my, because it's a naive question, because of course, it has changed uh, of course it has changed and in some cases it has gotten worse I, I mean excuse me i'm dealing with and yes i'm and i'm not offended i'm just telling you straight up my reaction and and i'm going to tell you why are you kidding me we just we just we're doing a story when a young man who gets chased down in michigan over a traffic stop and a cop pulls out his his uh his uh revolver and shoots him point blank and in, in the back of the head. Well, let me tell you, that's been going on a hell of a long time. And and on my show, I then talk about, hell, that I mean, we can go back 200 years. Oh, but don't bring up history. Whoa, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. We're not we're banning books that you can't even uh, have a book in a in a in a in a school about Rosa Parks. And I work with Rosa Parks. I, I you, Wait a minute. You're talking to somebody who had to boycott a city with Rosa Parks. We write about it in the book. Who had to boycott Dearborn, Michigan. Because because the city of Dearborn passed an ordinance that said, if if you didn't live in Dearborn, which, by the way, was less than 1% African-American, you could not... Use their public parks, and we had to take them to court. Had to boycott them. Oh, and by the way, uh, now when you look at Dearborn, it's nothing like it was when when we boycotted. So things change. It now has the largest Middle Eastern population outside of the out of outside the Middle East. I'm I, this morning. I'm dealing with a a a, a story where a young man is surrounded by police in Connecticut, and he's shot, couldn't get away. Parents said he was schizophrenic, and they shot this man, this young boy, a young man, seven times when they had him blocked in. So George Floyd, um, I mean, and you're asking me, why do I appear to have a, why do I appear to be angry? Have things changed? Yes, they, they have changed. Yes, they have. I do, I do a story. I never asked, you, I never asked about... you why you
1: appear to be angry. I just asked you what your view of it is well, as, as a leading expert on the subject. I'm,
0: I'm, get, I'm not. First of all, I'm not an expert on the subject. I'm a black man who has lived through this. I, you know, I'm, I'm, that's that doesn't make me an expert. It makes me somebody who does what every other broadcaster does. They're authentic. They bring their perspective and experience to the airwaves. I mean, th- th- that's what I do, and that's why I'm good at what I do, because I'm authentic. I'm not pretending to be something I'm not and 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 so that doesn't make me an expert it make it it gives me an opportunity to be honest with my audience and 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 I and I use these examples um like for example i'm not very fond of the uh term urban i i don't i mean I, i'm not I, fond of know, it we either used to be called the we used to be called the power. We used to be called the power, and then uh, wait a minute, hold on. So a, a black program director comes on and says, "Oh, that's too ish you know. Oh, you know, I don't like to talk about news. Uh, I don't, you know. Well, wait a minute. You're on a news a, a channel. You're on a news platform. Nah, let's call it urban. And and I'm going." What? What does that mean? But, you know, conservatives, they're patriots. You know, if if so, so I'm, I, I always say this, that, that, um, we, if you're going, if you're going to do this, if you're going to be in this business, be honest and be, and be who you are, be authentic, be original. And so that's why I wrote the book, "Radio Active." And, and sharing and, and sharing with this audience, sharing with this audience are the readers that uh, I've had people from all walks of life, all colors, all religions, who have helped me uh, in, in these 70-plus years that I've been on Earth.
1: Okay, well, that certainly, uh, that certainly is an interesting take. I, uh, I, I, I do um, think you are expert at what you do, and I do think if, uh, if the word expert doesn't fit what you do, you certainly are experienced in uh, dealing with this, as evidenced by the fact that you wrote a book about it, you've been doing radio about it, and uh, you're obviously quite um, passionate uh, about it. From from a broadcasting standpoint, a lot of people find um, Sirius XM to be a universe of itself. You know, different. It, it's it's radio, but it's not terrestrial radio, and it's not streaming. You know, it's a whole different world. What's it like working at Sirius XM?
0: Oh, it's it. I it is the best experience in radio that I have ever had, and 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 now and again based on experience and, and my perspective and perspectives are based on one's experience. And here's my perspective. When I first started in this business, as I said, I was told what I could say, what I couldn't say, and why I couldn't say it. I couldn't be myself. And by the way, had that experience even at Radio 1, which, you know, uh, with Kathy Hughes. Oh, you can't be – got to be very careful being an activist out here. I I mean, I once had the general sales manager uh, because I took on a case. I took on a, 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 a case where a young man, Artie Elliott, had been stopped by police, handcuffed, He was only wearing a pair of shorts, uh, gym shoes, and didn't even have a shirt on. And they stopped him, pulled him over, because they, I don't know, they thought he was drinking, uh, because he had just come out of the store, got some beer. Now listen to this. And they handcuffed him, put him in the front seat of a police squad, and shot him 14 times. 14 times. And his mother... I was on the air, came to me. You got to help me. Why? Because the police who shot him, who both were black, by the way, who shot him, were found innocent. And she wanted my help as a broadcaster, as an activist, to retry uh, these—well, I'm sorry, they weren't found innocent because that would have been double jeopardy. Uh, They wouldn't—they would not— Uh, They would not try them. They would not try them. And she wanted me to to help. And I was told by the sales manager at Radio 1, you you don't need to get involved in that. Uh, You're taking on the uh, district attorney of the county who happened to be an African-American who was running for public office, a higher office. (laughs) And he needed the police union support so he wouldn't he wouldn't reopen the case he wouldn't reopen the case and we took him on and and we demonstrated in front of his office and and got arrested several times um and i was told and this and here we are, i'm at radio 1 they're saying well be careful you know well you shouldn't do that so that's why you you hear me and and, and you, you hear me and my and that's why i wrote the book that you know this this whole thing cuts this cuts both ways and that sometimes we as broadcasters we have to stand up for uh, for what is is, is right um, and it and it can and it can be and it can, it can you can you can you can sacrifice you can sacrifice your livelihood you can sacrifice your job and, and this goes, and on, I've been in this that goes on all the way across at the least board a now. Of times.
1: Yeah, this goes on in, in in areas way beyond just the race issue. Um, uh, you know, the, the free speech, the spirit of free speech, the letter of the law, the relationship between um, employees and uh, their bosses on platforms. This is this is uh, heavy stuff. Obviously, we can go on for a long time. I want to touch upon two things, and um, um, uh, now that enough time has gone by since your um, second and most recent hunger strike. You've done two hunger strikes that I know about following your career. One recently in terms of your trying to raise consciousness about pending or needed legislation uh, regarding voter rights. And years ago, kind of a different, uh, a different lifetime ago, you were involved with De Gregory and I think you were arrested and were involved in a hunger strike back then. Now that uh, you've, you're beyond this hunger strike and uh, and hopefully you're feeling good and, and you've gained some weight back and um, I hope you find that it had a value, uh, tell us a bit about, uh, you know, you're, look, you're looking back at these hunger strikes and the differences between them, the times, any traction you got, et cetera. What are your thoughts about the two hunger strikes that you've done, compare and contrast?
0: Well, again, um, I've, I've done... Uh, obviously the two you're talking about uh, but I've also and the first and one of them was in reference to the civil war in Sudan uh, and, and uh, going over to uh, southern Sudan uh, again because no one was paying attention uh, to uh, what was happening over there and I was asked by a religious group out of uh, out of Switzerland, if I would use my platform uh, to uh, draw attention to uh, the fact that during that civil war, women and children were being taken as slaves. Uh, and uh, so I use that that format or that, that hunger strike as a way to draw attention. And um, that's what I learned from Dick Gregory, because you know one or two things can happen uh you can be ignored or you can you can get attention from you know from people who have power and can make changes and 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 in that case we got uh people's attention uh we got uh Colin Powell's attention for example who told me during that hunger strike keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and and he ended up being the first person in the Bush administration, the first official, because he was Secretary of State at the time, he declared what was happening in southern Sudan as genocide. And um, in this case, um, it, it was absolutely uh, absurd for, for folks to, to, to not protect the voting rights of all of us. And when I started that hunger strike, it, it it was, again, to get attention and to make a statement. And the statement that I made was, I know history and I know how the first reconstruction ended uh, in, in when, with the uh, Hayes-Tilden compromise. And the first thing that former confederates went after was the vote it was the birth of the ku klux klan it was gun clubs in south carolina people were lynched and that lasted for almost 100 years until again change change the 1965 voting rights act and 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 so i channeled dick gregory because I asked myself, what would Dick do? And, and, uh, uh, and, and his son said, you know, I, uh, he said, Pops would, would probably go on a hunger strike. And he wouldn't ask anybody. He would do what he thinks uh, is, is the right thing to do. And so November 8th of, of last year, I announced that I am not going to have my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren ask the question, when they went after your voting rights, when they went after what I call the end of the second reconstruction, which I think is going on right now, I'm not gonna have my grandchildren and great-grandchildren say, well, Pop Pop, what did you do to change it or to stop it? And so I said, just as food is, is essential, in sustaining life the vote is essential in maintaining and sustaining our vote and democracy and that's why i did it now they were different reasons uh, but it was to get attention and it was to use my platform in order uh, to to protect this democracy and and to get these uh, 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 these two bills passed. Now, did it have an impact? I mean, we had ministers that said, "Oh, well, I'm going to go on a hunger strike." We had young people that uh, uh, at colleges and said, "Oh, I'm going to uh, do this or I'm going to do that." And I think we 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 uh, as uh, <clears throat> I, 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 as I said, we 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 we. We awoke a, a sleeping giant, and that was a younger generation that maybe didn't know about the end of the first Reconstruction, maybe because they weren't allowed to teach it. But you know what? They they learned about filibustering. They learned about how Senate works, how Congress works, and, and uh, I'm hoping, uh, to be honest with you, that— uh, that that uh, eventually these bills to protect our voting rights will get passed.
1: How are you feeling now? How 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 um, how is your health in the aftermath of um, that was several months of um, abstaining from solid food. How have um, how's your recovery be or has there been a recovery necessary? How do you feel?
0: You you know I, 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 and and this question gets asked uh, a lot. Um, and how do I how do I, I, I how do I answer that? I it it, it was it's not a it's not about your health. It's not my health. It's not it wasn't ever about my health. It 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 was it. I knew exactly what I was going to go through because I had already gone through it. it wasn't my first rodeo. It, it isn't, it isn't about the help. There, there were, there were side effects. Yeah. There were side effects, insomnia and headaches. And, and, but I knew that that that's exactly what was going to happen. And, and, and so I answer it this way. And, and that is, it's don't, don't, and this is not directed at you this is directed at the at at those who do who think oh you got to be careful oh we're concerned about your health then of course they're that group of people they i wish you would die uh, you know that's the other side of, of folks who just just the haters out there uh, that uh, you know that they didn't want to build a pass and they didn't want anybody to influence the, and i'll say this and cuz i've said it on the air You should be asking about the health of the country. You should be asking about uh, what the you know, what's why wouldn't people vote to protect voting rights? Why would people introduce legislation to uh, make it more difficult to vote? We should be more concerned about the health of, of, of our democracy and i'll I'll tell you this this in in reference to your question uh my wife obviously like you concerned about my health and and said look you you're not that thirty forty year old folk you know that you were a person you were a few decades ago, so you're going to have to go to the doctor, the doctor's going to have to clear you and and uh and maybe i'll 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 give you my blessings." <laughs> So I went to the doctor and passed and the physical, no problem. And even the doctor said, why are you doing this? And, 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 and suggested how to, you know, juice and how to sustain what, my health. And, and so after I got the clearance, and by the way, I had to get clearance from two doctors because I didn't tell people this. I, my prostate cancer spiked. And, and so my urologist said, well, you know, your hunger strike doesn't have anything to do with that, but, you know, it's up to you. And I remember leaving the parking lot, Michael, of the doctor's office. Doctor had cleared me. And my wife said, are you telling me that you're going to go ahead with this? Yes and and you so you're saying to me that you're willing to die for this cause and i looked her in the eye and i said yes yes i am in the conversation in the conversation so that's how i answer your question that's how i answer your question okay. because the one thing i've learned down through the, the, uh, down through the years, with my broadcast, with my activism, that there's a difference between, and there's a whole chapter, these are short chapters, by the way, but there's a chapter, there's a difference between a moment and a movement. And, and so somebody once asked, well, what's the difference? All movements, all movements require sacrifice. All movements require sacrifice. And so that's why I wrote the book and titled it Radioactive. Because throughout that book, throughout the book, Radioactive, you, you, you learn about sacrifices that, that I had to make. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know too many white talk show personalities that are told you can't talk about white people. I, I I don't know, and that's why you hear the passion. I I I, I don't know. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, what you know, what folks uh, say when they see somebody that looks like your son, or or that you got to tell your son, look, you better be careful when the police pull you over you know don't make a sudden move cuz you might get shot in the back of the head and and uh so that's why uh my radio show i always say is uh uh original authentic and yes i'm i'm a i am i i'm daring uh and uh but you know talk radio has changed too as you know i mean gee, when you know you could do a talk show on damn near anything, and uh, uh, and and but I think that uh, the country has changed, in some cases for the better. But it's a constant struggle. It is a constant struggle, and 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 all struggles, in order to all all struggles require that. Some of us have to make sacrifices, and that's what my my life has been about and Thank god i've survived and i got to tell you the one thing i, I, I love about working at SiriusXM x m um <clears throat> was uh it, is that it's it's like a bookstore and 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 I had the president tell me this. If if, I, if you don't like what Joe Madison is saying, uh, it's like going into a bookstore. You don't like what he's that section of that book. You take off the shelf. If you don't like it, then go to another section. You know they've got multiple channels. Then just go to another section. But I, the thing I I so appreciate about working over at Sirius XM is they have they have given me freedom. We will never tell you. And they've come on the air and said this: the the powers to be will never tell you what to say or what not to say. And here's the reason why: they trust me. They trust me because I'm honest, I'm decent, and 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 most important of all, um, I believe that uh, we have more in common as human beings. Then, then we have differences.
1: And there you have it, an uninterrupted conversation with Sirius XM satellite radio talk show host, Joe Madison. Joe's new book written with David Canton is titled Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy in action on the air and in the streets.